Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, thanks so much for joining me today. And I'm also joined by my new friend, Katie Bradshaw. Katie, thank you so much for making time for the Boca Podcast. Of course. Thanks for having me. And we're going to get into your business here in just a little bit, but you are a wedding photographer, correct? Yes. Wedding photographer. Go ahead. Oh, no. And and you're based in, whereabouts are you based? I am in Denver, Colorado. Oh, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm kind of jealous. I've spent a little bit of time in Denver and have even considered moving out that direction. Do you love it? Yes, I am never leaving. It's an amazing, amazing place to live. I, I can imagine. Well, um, we're going to get into, actually, we, we want all want to get to know you a little bit personally. We'll do that here in just a second. And we'll certainly talk more about your business. But uh, we usually start off the podcast with something we call the aha moment. And I'm curious what the biggest, hardest lesson that you've learned as a photography business owner might be? The biggest lesson that I definitely have learned throughout my career is to not overbook myself and not over overwork myself. And that's really huge, actually. We're, we're going to be talking about this in more detail in just a little bit, how to actually turn business away. I know a lot of photographers would kind of cringe at that idea. They're trying to get as much as possible. But we're going we're gonna to dive into that topic in a lot more detail here in just a little bit, but it really is important to learn to filter out the business that you don't want, that isn't a reflection of your goals, that isn't a reflection of your brand. Um, so this is an important reminder. And did you have a particularly bad experience? Maybe you're going to explain this in a little bit more detail later, but was there a, a, a experience that just made you say, you know what, I got to stop taking the business that doesn't match my brand? Yes. So it was October of 2015. I had 40 shoots and three weddings in one month. So I had more work than there were days. Wow. And so that at that point, it was just the the overwhelm of having to manage that much work that was a turning point for you. Yes, it was way too much work. I actually looked at my calendar in September and I was kind of preparing for my doom. I was a little terrified and crossed my fingers that we didn't get the random Colorado snow that we can sometimes get in October because if I had one bad weekend, that really would have really messed me up for the rest of the month. And I think that's actually the time that I found Photographer's Edit because I was I just had too much on my plate. Wow. More than one significant turning point there. That's, yeah. that's kind of cool. Well, we'll get into this topic in, in more detail here in just a bit. But I, I do want to learn more about you. I don't know if we, have we had the opportunity to meet. I don't think we've had the opportunity to meet in person yet. Have we? No, not yet. Just through social media and emails. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that opportunity, hopefully soon. But um, something that you and I share in common is that you apparently love sushi. What's your favorite kind? Yes. So I love sushi. I would say that kind of the universal role that everyone will know is the dragon roll. Yeah. So that's the dragon roll would be, what is that? Avocado and eel? Yes. Like the more layers on top, the better for me. But yeah. The one has <laughs> eel, avocado, but yeah, as long as there's just stacks of stuff on top of the roll. Yeah. That's my kind. <laughs> oh, and there's nothing like that, that sweet sauce that they put on top of the eel uh, is yes. so, so good. 
I grew up in Japan, and I actually had the opportunity to go to an eel farm uh, oh, when wow. when I went uh, when I was there as, as a kid. Uh, I think we went as kind of like a field trip one day, and um, certainly not the organic process that that were that is becoming much more popular now in American culture, but. It was interesting, regardless, to to see these eels live. It's not something that we're normally used to seeing live no. in person. And they would go to dump the food. Actually, the gentleman that was there working went to, to put the food into the pool where the eels were. And these things, this mass of eels are slithering all over each other, trying to fight to get the food. It was a quite the, the wild um, perspective and, and experience <laughs> to actually get to see that. But um, yeah, eel is really, really good. You also like, apparently you like food just in general. I'm, I'm certainly a fan as well. Uh, you mentioned in your website that you also like uh, peanut butter too. I've, I've been a peanut butter fan since um, I was a kid. What's your favorite peanut butter treat? Oh, yeah, I'm addicted to peanut butter. So I actually have to buy the healthy kind so I don't eat the whole jar in a week or two. <laughs> yes. There is a slight difference in that flavor between, say, your your traditional like Skippy or, or Jif peanut butter and the, the quote, healthy kind for sure. So I, I know what you mean by that. But what do you is there? A, do you like to make a, a dessert or something like that with it? So I try and be as healthy as possible. So normally my go-to with peanut butter, I'll do an apple and peanut butter, or yes. I love just a piece of toast with peanut butter and honey. Oh, that sounds really good. It's something that we did growing up actually as kids, and it's it's extended now to my kids. They do it now too. But I, I love a pancake, and I don't eat pancakes very often, but when I get to, I'll put peanut butter on the pancake, and then a little bit of cinnamon is something that I that I prefer, and then a little bit of syrup on top of that. And it, it just tastes so good. But my, my dad in particular was obsessed with peanut butter. So peanut butter kind of extended across our diet growing up. It was pretty funny. So I, I'm curious, how do you like to spend your free time? You live in an absolutely beautiful state. Do you like the outdoors? Do you prefer to be indoors? How do you like to spend your free time? So I try and travel actually as much as I can. So that's kind of what I do is just whenever I have free time, I'll try and uh, book something and try and go somewhere new. I just love to travel. But I guess when I'm um, at home and I have free time, I kind of am always pretty consumed with my business or I hang out with my friends or go out to eat. You know, I go to sushi restaurants a lot. At, at sushi restaurants, that, that would be a hobby in and of itself. There's so many different ones. I mean, and of course, small towns even these days. And then ultimately, if you get to travel, it's fun to sample them too. But what are your, you mentioned traveling. What's, what's a favorite place that you've been in the last year? Uh, last year, I went to Spain my mom and I do an annual mother-daughter trip, and we were in Spain for 12 days, and that was pretty incredible. That's really cool. Okay, so where, whereabouts did you go in Spain? We flew into Madrid, I believe, and then we took the train to Seville and ended in Barcelona. Wow. How long did you get to go for? So 12 days. Two of those days were travel, so we oh. were exploring for about 10 days. That's amazing. I've, I've not had the opportunity to spend time in Spain yet, but I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it. It sounds incredible. And you mentioned your mom. She's actually your second shooter. Is that right? Yes, she is. And, and we'll talk about that here in just a little bit. But uh, that's really cool that, that you guys make a, a, a habit of spending time together that way. And that's something that I actually do with my kids as well. It's something I started a few years ago. Instead of uh, a bunch of Christmas presents. Um, I give them a trip each year. And, and so we've had the t opportunity to do a variety of things together. This year, we're going to actually head out to Seattle. 
I've got family out there and they've never been out there before. So we're going to hit the Northwest and enjoy some time out there. But that's a, that's a great tradition cool. to have. How do you yeah, create that, that time though, to travel? Um, you know, running a business, especially a busy business, it, it can be tough, um, or at least feel tough at times to create the time to travel, to do things, um, like that. How do you create that for yourself? Yeah, it's definitely hard. As far as like our annual mother daughter trips, we kind of know my slow season. So always the first of the year and the winter months are always slow, which works to our benefit because when we do travel, those places aren't packed with tourists and it's not super hot. So as far as like the long trips, we just kind of find a time that we think I'm slow and we just book them. And when I do kind of like weekend trips, like I've got some weekend trips that, that I have coming up. If I just see that I have a gap in my calendar, you know, in between weddings or something, I will take advantage of that and, and book something on that one weekend or week that I have available. That's great. And, and this is something I've, I've, it's actually been kind of a theme on the podcast as of late, but I love just the simplicity of saying, you know what, I got some free time, I'm going to take advantage of it. And I don't think photographers do that enough. You know, we, and, and there are multiple reasons why, but I think a lot of times there's just this kind of assumption that you have to be going hard all the time. And, and really that can lead to burnout. So I love that you're making, just making time for that travel. I think that's really great. Back to your business. How long have you actually been in business as a photography business owner? I have had my business for seven years now, which is crazy. And I've been doing it full time for four years. Okay. That's really, really cool. Now you're a wedding photographer. What makes your wedding photography business unique, uh, especially in Denver too? I'm sure it's a pretty crowded market with a lot of photographers, but what sets your brand apart? Yeah, there's a bunch of photographers here in Denver. I've been super fortunate that I started my business pretty young. So word of mouth has really built my business, which I'm very grateful for. And I just kind of have like one package that I offer my clients. I like to keep it simple and it includes an engagement session. There's two photographers, full day wedding coverage, and then I give them all the images that I take. So it's kind of just like an all inclusive package. I don't have them, you know, make decisions or add on prints. It's kind of just a one package deal and they get their photos back within three weeks. So I wow. try and do a lot of good, yeah, customer service. And well, I, I love, again, I love the simplicity of that. And, and when you sit down with a potential client, you offer them just one package. It kind of includes everything. So that's pretty cool. But do you find that they want you to ever customize a package for them? No, I do offer them if they want to add on wedding albums, they can. So that's kind of one little area if they did want to customize or add something on, they could. But I find most of the time, everyone wants an engagement session. Everyone, everyone wants two photographers and, you know, the full day wedding coverage and all the, all the pictures. So I've kind of through the years have learned exactly what people want and just made that kind of a guaranteed custom thing with that package. That's great. And, and, you know, just that simple business model actually is, is that certainly sets you apart from other businesses when there are so many options to choose from that can actually create overwhelm and confusion and, um, can even complicate the the process or even the possibility of that, that client booking you. So I I'd love that simple approach to doing business. And obviously it's, it's worked quite well for you. Now, how do you, I, I'm curious, and this is something that we've started, I've started asking in more recent episodes, but I'm curious, what is a favorite piece of gear in your camera bag? Do you have a favorite camera body or lens or something to that effect? 
Yes. So I am a Canon shooter and I would say my favorite lens, um, I only use prime lenses. So my favorite lens is the 85 millimeter 1.2. Love it. And and do you love that just for the, the, the shallow depth of field and the focal length or what, what's your favorite part of it? Yeah, just the buttery beautifulness in the blurry background. So definitely the low aperture and just it just the images it creates are entirely different than all my other lenses. I don't use it that much. Um, my 50 millimeters on my camera 80% of the time, but that one's definitely my favorite. I actually have my second shooter, my mom. She uses that one the most when she's shooting. That's really cool. And actually, this is a great segue into more conversation about your mom. Tell us how you guys began shooting together. So I, when I first started my business, second shooters didn't seem to be too popular, but as time goes on, it just, they became very popular and a must have. And I noticed a lot of other photographers were including them in their packages. So I wish I could remember the conversation. I think I called her one day and just literally had this aha moment while I was driving. She's retired. She is good with photography. I grew up with her taking my pictures every year and, you know, putting them all over the wall. And I've traveled with her ever since I was little. So I've always watched her take these great landscape photos and blow them up. So there's definitely some, you know, photography love that was instilled in me throughout my childhood. So I knew that she knew about it, knew how to use a camera because back in the day, all you were able to do was shoot manual. So I just called her and I was like, mom, you got to do this with me because, you know, she's retired. And, and another thing about her, after I started my photography business, she started her own business and she actually is a seamstress and makes wedding dresses, veils and garters. So there's already a love for weddings that she has. So it was kind of like a, like, we got to do this together. Wow. And there's an easy source of referrals there for each other too, which is yes. kind of cool. Which is she always had that kind of entrepreneurial mindset? No, which is funny. She actually did went to school for it and then went the corporate route and did corporate America her whole life and then was like, why didn't I do this sooner? And so she started after she retired. So this is just her little fun thing on the side because she just loves it. That's so cool. That's cool. Well, I wonder too, I can't help but wonder if, if uh, there may have been a little bit of inspiration in seeing you run your business. I think that's that's really yes. neat. Well, um, I'm excited to talk about, and we alluded to this earlier, but we're going to actually talk about how to turn potential clients away from our business today, which again, may seem like a a weird thing to say. I promise it's going to be a good thing, but um, we're going to be talking about how to raise prices and, and through that process, how to then filter for our ideal client. So um, I'm curious, first of all, before we get into that, what did you charge for your first wedding? The first wedding I ever got paid for was 600 bucks. I know on my website, I think that was before I was kind of established. Um, but I think my first prices on my website were about 1200. Wow. Okay. So you almost doubled my, my first wedding price. I I charged, I think it was 350 for my first wedding. So that's, that's not a bad start. What's the, what's the average amount that you, you get a wedding now? Uh, my weddings now are 3700 Okay, cool. So that's a pretty big jump up. Besides the, the potential for making more money, why should photographers raise their prices? And maybe this seems like an obvious question, but I'm really curious to get your take on this. Your sanity. <laughs> uh, everything I went through that October of 2015, that was just... It's just a lot to have on your plate. And I knew that I was going to get sick and I ended up getting, you know, a cold and you just, you just work yourself way too much. And I ended up getting sick that October and I think November and then twice in December, it just, you get sick, you get tired and then you lose 
all of your creativity. When you're doing shoots day after day, and that October I was doing six a weekend, so three a day, you just have no creativity, and you don't even – it just loses the – the beauty of why you do photography in the first For place. Sure. Yeah. It's just straight up burnout. I, I can imagine now to play devil's advocate a little bit. Is there another side to this conversation? Would you, would you say that there is ever a time when a photographer should avoid raising their prices? I only do uh, one increase a year. So I'd probably just shy away from doing multiple increases a year, but I think that would be the only thing to be careful of. Yeah. Just to not overdo it. And, you know, I, I'll go ahead and throw this bit of information in for our listeners. There's something to keep in mind um, because Katie, you mentioned shooting uh, above the $3,000 mark. I was just looking at recent numbers uh, from a website called the wedding report. And it, it was, it was showing that 80%, uh, around 80% of weddings photographed in the U S are photographed for $2,000 and below. Um, so when you're considering what price point to go to as a wedding photographer, think about the market um, and what business may be most available. Uh, because there is there is a conversation to be had about who is serving um, that the lower end of the market. It's actually the biggest chunk of the market, and there are a lot of photographers that are moving to the, the quote higher end, um, you know, the top 15 to 20 percent or so, which is above that $2,000 mark. It's good to be aware of numbers. It's good to be aware of numbers in your local market and, and then certainly the market as a whole nationally. And uh, so I just want to share those numbers for the sake of that awareness. But I'm curious about your biggest apprehension when you when you decided, you know what, I need to start raising my prices in order to save my sanity, in order to maintain some kind of creativity as a photography business owner, what were your biggest apprehensions? It's always a little scary when you're raising your prices. The last few years, I was only doing $50 increases because I do portraits as well. So with my portraits, I was only increasing about 50 bucks. So that wasn't too scary. And then my weddings, I think I was doing a $200 increase. And so it's, it's scary because you just, you always doubt yourself and you wonder if people are still going to see the value in your work. Right. And, and what would you say was the experience? And, and this probably answers itself almost, but what would you say are the, the experience or experiences that relieved that fear? Was it just simply that you raised your prices and people kept booking or was there something else? Yeah. I'm like, I'm still busy every year. I <laughs> make, I make more money than the last year and I still kept getting inquiries. And another thing that really made me feel good is that I still had repeat clients. So I, my, yeah, my customers, I would say they'd, they'd contact me for a shoot. I let them know my price increase and they would still book me, which was incredible. That's really interesting. Okay. And this actually is a good segue into my next question too. And, and that is how, how did you go about continuing to book new clients as you raised your prices? Because I know one of the things that I experienced as a wedding photographer, and I think I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but you know, I, I started at three fifty, like I mentioned earlier, and then went upwards of of ten thousand dollars or so per wedding. So there's this wide, wide range. And when you when you continue to increase your prices and you charge significantly more than you did uh, with past clients, you almost price yourself out of their market or their income bracket, right? They likely have friends that make about the same amount of money or their families make about the same amount of money. And so when they refer you, you shot their wedding for $2,000 and they refer you and you now charge three, 
you can you might have a bit of a quandary, a bit, a bit of an issue there trying to book new clients. How did you go about that process of continuing to book new clients even as you raised your prices? So again, I'm super fortunate with uh, word of mouth and I'm not sure when they're sharing their experience and how much fun they have with me, if they even share how much I charge because I'll still have inquiries from friends of friends or even um, sisters sisters of the bride that I've shot and they'll still inquire and they'll still book with me. So I'm not sure if they're even sharing that price point or if they're just sharing how great the experience was. They've, you know, seen me work at a wedding before they've seen my work. They know how much fun I am. So I've just been fortunate that people will still reach out to me and still want to book with me and give me that chance. That's really cool. And I love the uh, the idea that they are just excited about the experience they had with you. And this is certainly a theme on the podcast as well. But we talk about this idea of the importance of the experience. At the end of the day, especially as technology continues to move as quickly as it is, and you know, cameras are a lot cheaper, um, they can take much better pictures. It means that the so-called consumer photographer or even prosumer photographer their ability is not going to be that much different than most professional photographers. So if we have to set ourselves apart, it's not necessarily going to be just with the photography, but ultimately the experience that we create from them or for them. And, and I love that. I love the notion that, that they're not even necessarily talking about the price point. They're just saying, you've got to work with Katie. It, she's so cool. The experience was awesome. And uh, I, I think we should all strive to create that type of reputation for our businesses. It's really, really good. Now, if our listeners are considering raising their prices and, um, and it, whatever the reasoning may be for doing so, can you give them some ideas to kind of keep in mind as they move in that direction? Uh, yeah. So when they're raising their prices, kind of like I said earlier, just make sure that you're not doing it multiple times throughout the year, I would just do one annual increase. Yes. And, um, I was also, I started it this year where if you've already, if you've been in business for quite a few years and you've done several increases. So with these clients that I've had using me year after years through the multiple increases last year, I actually grandfathered them in. And that was a new thing that I've done for my clients. Interesting. So when you say grandfathered them in, you maintain the the old prices with the existing clients? Yep. I sent them a Christmas gift. I sent them a magnet with their name on it and a uh, family photo that I took and sent them. I just said, you know, thanks for being a great client and I want to lock you in at 2017 prices. So they're grandfathered in at those 2017 prices. That's a really interesting idea. I'm not sure if I've ever had a photographer talk about that, that idea before. That's really cool. Did you just kind of come up with that yourself or did you hear it somewhere else? I came up with it myself because it was one of the apprehensions of raising your prices and just knowing all these clients that I've had throughout the years, I kind of was feeling bad or worried that I'd lose them and they've just been so faithful to me. So that's when I decided to do that. That's really cool. That's cool. Okay. So making sure that you don't raise your prices too much. Um, and in your case, you're saying specifically just once a year. And I think that's a great practice. Grandfathering in the existing clients to previous prices. That's a really smart move. It acts as a really great marketing move too. And that's cool. And I do love that that um, expression of gratitude for their loyalty. I think that's great. We have a rewards program with 
um, photographers edit, in fact, um, mm-hmm. in that regard. And, and I think it's good to say thank you to your clients to um, not only reward, but, but even acknowledge their loyalty to the brand. I think that's really, really important. Do you have anything else that you want to share around those ideas? Yeah, the last one would just be just like, just be confident in yourself and know you will get better clients. You will lose clients. That's inevitable, but you will gain even better ones and people that see your value and believe in you and want you to photograph them. Oh, that's, that's really great actually. And, and I don't know that we could uh, finish off our conversation in any better way. I think that's really great advice and recommendation for our listeners. How can they find you online so they can see more of what you're doing? Your, your website's beautiful by the way, but how can they find your website and, and see what you're doing on, on social media as well? Thank you. So my business name is KB Digital Designs, and that's how you can find me on everything. My website's kbdigitaldesigns.com. Same thing on Facebook and Instagram. There's some underscores in there, but if you just type in KB Digital Designs, I'll pop right up. That's cool. Well, Katie, I, again, I can't thank you enough for making time for the Book of Podcast listeners and uh, this, what can be a sensitive and even kind of exhausting topic at times on, on how to raise prices and, and ultimately filter for the appropriate clients. But thanks so much for your insight today. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. <laughs>